Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kid Kong at the Movies. I am your host, Kid Kong. With Bluthmas being over, we're back to our regular-themed episodes. Real quick, before I get started on this one, the world of entertainment lost two true titans in acting in Betty White and Sidney Poitier in the last seven days. And while neither of them were exactly young, Betty White, of course, famously died just before she turned 100, and Sidney Poitier was, I believe, 94 it is nonetheless a loss. Sidney Poitier was actually the first African-American to win an Academy Award. So this is, you know, condolences to their family if they ever happen to hear this. I am not alone tonight. I am joined by my friend Ian, who has been here with me on a couple of episodes so far. So, Ian, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, you're doing better than I am. We are going to be talking about... Dragon Ball Evolution. Now, this is quite possibly the worst thing I have ever seen in my life. Well, I don't mean that it's the worst cinematically shot movies, because there have been worst cinematic movies. It doesn't have the worst effects, because I've seen worst effects. It doesn't have the worst acting, because I have seen worse acting. But taking everything into consideration for what this is and what the Dragon Ball franchise has meant to me, this was the worst thing I have ever seen in my life. Okay, let's unwrap why we watched Dragon Ball Evolution, cinematic masterpiece that yeah, is not. Well, okay, so the reason we watched this movie, I had made it a point over the last 13 years, because this movie came out the same year that I first moved to Louisiana. This movie has existed as long as I have been down here. I have refused to watch this movie because I knew exactly what it was going to be I knew it was going to be bad, and I'm like, I'm not doing that to myself. Ian finally got into Dragon Ball within the last couple years, like really into Dragon Ball. He'd always been aware of it, and he'd always been a fan of Vegeta, and he had a couple of the older games when he was younger, but he'd never really watched or read it from start to finish. Right. And we made a deal that I would watch this movie if he would watch a movie that he has been avoiding for substantially longer than that. Yes. The trade-off is Ian has to watch Batman and Robin, which will be an episode coming up as well. <laughs> and he's going to be back with me, with me on that one too. So, you know, kind of a tit-for-tat situation. Uh, you know, that's... I don't really have a whole lot else to offer to begin this. Let's just go ahead and jump into it real quick. Uh, Dragon Ball Evolution came out in 2009. It was directed by James Wong. Now, James Wong has directed a few things of note. Uh, he did the first Final Destination movie as well as Final Destination 3. He also did the one starring Jet Li and Jason Statham in one of his earliest Hollywood roles. He also directed many, many episodes of the original X-Files TV series as well as the revitalization that came out in 2018 while also doing many episodes of American Horror Story. So the man has done things that are good. He's got a pedigree. Yeah. He absolutely does. It was produced by Stephen Chow. Now, Stephen Chow has produced and directed a, a tremendous amount of things. Uh, he has both directed and produced Kung Fu Hustle, The Mermaid, and Shaolin Soccer, while simply produced God of Cookery and is in the process of producing Kung Fury 2. Or Kung, Kung, Kung Fu Hustle 2, I'm sorry. Kung Fury, I don't even know if they're ever going to make a sequel to that. I read the wrong word there. It's written by Ben Ramsey, who Ben Ramsey has written 
The Big Hit, Love and a Bullet, and he directed Blood and Bone, which is a guilty pleasure movie of mine. I enjoy watching Michael J. White in that. I like Michael J. White, but I've not seen any of those movies that you just mentioned. I cannot begin to stress enough that this movie is loosely, <laughs> loosely based on Akira Toriyama's definitive manga, Dragon Ball. Uh, I have here in my notes that I am to choke out a brief synopsis, but I don't even know if I can do that. Basically, Goku's an 18-year-old American kid living in a modern, mixed-culture city with his grandpa Gohan. Piccolo's 2,000 years old instead of 200 years being trapped in the rice cooker. And also, Goku is apparently 2,000 years old as well because his great ape form, Ozaru, was in this the servant or disciple of Piccolo. If you are a fan of Dragon Ball and you are not beating your head against the wall after hearing that description, you are, a, you are made of stronger stuff than I am. It was produced on a budget of disputed $30 million, and at the box office, it actually pulled in $58 million. So technically, it did... It broke even as far as that goes. However, when you take into consideration all of the advertisement and everything else they did, it was both a critical and financial failure and is considered to be one of the worst movies of the 2000s and one of the worst movies ever made. Goku was played by Justin Chatwin. Now, Justin Chatwin's first theatrical role was a brief, like, two or three line speaking role in Josie and the Pussycats, which they made that after they made Scooby-Doo. And like, you know what, let's make a bunch of old Hanna-Barbera stuff. When that absolutely tanked, they abandoned their plans to make a Captain Caveman, Jabberjaw movies, and a couple other things, which, you know, is probably for the best. Captain Caveman is probably one of the few that they could probably adapt yeah. because they already have a little bit of experience of that with Encino Man. Mm. He was also in War of the Worlds, The Invisible, uh, and Big ba or Bang Bang Baby. Now, television-wise, he's probably best known for the first three seasons and change of Shameless, but he was also on Weeds. Master Roshi was played by Chow Yun-Fat. Now, Chow Yun-Fat has had over a hundred appearances in film, many of which were John Woo films. I don't really have enough time to talk about everything he's done. He's going to be an actor showcase at some point. But just to give you a few, he was in The Postman Strikes Back, Hard Boiled, The Replacement Killers, and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, as well as the second and third Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Bulma was played by Emmy Rossum. Now, Emmy Rossum has been in Mystic River, Day After Tomorrow, and Phantom of the Opera, as well as Poseidon, but she's also probably best known for being in Shameless as Fiona. Chi-Chi was played by Jamie Chung. Now, Jamie Chung has been in Chuck and Larry, Grown Ups, Hangover 2 and 3, Big Hero 6, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, and The Man with the Iron Fist, but she's got her start with the real world. Uh, Piccolo was played by James Marsters. Of course, James Marsters has been in a few movies like Chance, P.S. I Love You, and House on Haunted Hill. However, James Marsters is also, without question, best known as Spike the Vampire from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, while also appearing on Angel. He also was Brainiac in Smallville, and got a bit of redemption for this garbage when he voiced Zamasu in Dragon Ball Super. Now, he voiced him under a pseudonym, but if you know James Marsters' voice, you know it was him, and he did a great job with that. Yamcha was played by June Park. June Park is mainly a singer. He's only been in two films. He's been in this, and he was in Speed Racer. Speed Racer is another upcoming episode, because that is an anime that I actually started watching with my mother, and it's probably the first anime I ever watched. Grandpa Gohan was played by Randall Duquem. Randall Duquem, of course, was in Tora, 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 Replacement Killers, The Thin Red Line, Matrix Reloaded, where he played the Keymaker, 
Kung Fu Panda, where he voiced Oogway, and he's in John Wick 2 and 3. Uh, at least they tried with a lot of these actors. Like, some of them are really good choices. Randall Duke Kim as Grandpa Gohan was great. Chow Yun-Fat as Roshi was really good. They created a character for the movie named Sifu Norris, who I can only assume is meant to be <laughs> Master Mutaito, who was Roshi and Gohan's original... Not Roshi and Gohan, sorry. Roshi and the Crane Hermit's original master. But Sifu Norris was played by Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson, of course, is in Ghostbusters, The Crow, Congo, Airheads, Miss Congeniality, and had a long role on Oz as Warden Leo Glenn. I mentioned the Uzaru earlier, even though that was done with digital effects, the practical, like, having somebody walk around and in place, that was Ian White, who is best known for being the first guy to portray the mountain that rides in Game of Thrones before Hathor Bjornsson got the role. But he's also appeared in a couple of the Predator movies as the titular Predator. Back in 1995, Jackie Chan, who is a noted superfan of Dragon Ball, said in an interview that he actually wanted to make a movie out of the Dragon Ball franchise. However, he felt that the budget and the effects at the time would have been too prohibitive to make. And what's funny is that in 2013, Akira Toriyama himself stated that if they were to have made a Dragon Ball movie, his exact words, if you're going to cast Goku, a young Jackie Chan is really the only option I would want. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's a really good choice because a lot of Jackie Chan's movies, like... He has that playful martial arts oh, yeah. that 100% embodies how Goku is, but he also has that serious side with his martial arts, too. In 2002, 20th Century Fox acquired the rights to make the movie and approached Chow to direct. Chow, being a big fan, declined the directing role, but accepted a production role with his company, Star Overseas. Many directors passed on this. Robert Rodriguez... Zack Snyder, when he passed on it, said that he felt a live-action film would never live up to the anime and manga and would do nothing more than insult the fan base. I don't care what you think about Zack Snyder. That's a damn good point. Uh, Wong eventually accepted in 2007 to direct and initially partnered with Brett Ratner to produce it. That ended up not going through. Ramsey's first draft was deemed to be too expensive, and he ultimately wrote five different screenplays. He had to follow the studio's notes on what they wanted for this film when he would rewrite it. Sorry, I almost threw up my mouth a little bit saying that. Uh, to <laughs> me, that that shows the problem that this had. This was not going to work with studio intervention. This has a very, very... And it's one of the biggest problems I have with them trying to adapt not just anime or manga into movies... But books in the movies. And myself, and when I had Cal on here before, we talked about the problem with the whole based-on-a-true-story rhetoric when he joined me for The Perfect Storm. Mm. Like, as long as you take... Like, I can make a movie about you, Ian. Name the character after you and say that it is based on a true story because of a relationship you had. All I need to do is just lay that little groundwork and I can have you fucking land on the moon, pardon my French. Oh, yeah. But because it's based on a true story... It has that sheen of... Exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, Chow was also a fan and felt that he could not do this justice as a director, which is one of the reasons why he ended up with the producer role. His writing contributions when he tried to add into the screenplays were ultimately disregarded and completely ignored by the studio. Do you see a pattern here? 
at all of people getting involved in this movie and because they're fans, nobody wants their name attached to me. I'm the one who directed that. No one wants it. Different accounts exist of the total cost for the movie. Like I said earlier when I said it's disputed that it was about $30 million. Uh, $30 million is generally the agreed upon number. Now, June Park stated that the budget for the film was around $100 million. Where? Yeah, we just watched this movie. That was the first time I've ever seen it. We watched this movie before we recorded. And it's got Nintendo 64 graphics at times. Yeah, the 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 CGI and special effects are not great. It would not have been out of place in a 1990s episode of the Power Rangers. Ab- no, 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 you're 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 spot on. There were definite moments where it felt like we were watching like a few episodes of Power Rangers strung together. Folks, what you need to understand when we're complaining about these graphics, this came out the same year as Avatar, which was widely critically lauded for its graphics and its computer effects. I mean, every coin's got a heads and a tails, I guess. Folks, I have looked for it and tried to find it. I can find no reason why Justin Chatwin was selected for Goku. I don't know why it happened, but it happened. Ron Perlman was offered Piccolo. He turned it down because he was wanting to make Hellboy 2. Ron Perlman is a big fan of Hellboy. That's one of the reasons why those movies got made to begin with, which is another reason why I will not watch the David Harbour one. I love David Harbour but I'm too attached to Ron Perlman as Hellboy. Plus, David Harbour should have been Cable, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that's that's a topic for another day. Um, Marsters, James Marsters, that is, being a really noted super fan of the series, accepted the role. And in interviews, when he would talk about the movie, he said, the reason I love Dragon Ball is it's the coolest story ever. Whether it's from Dragon Ball to Dragon Ball Z, whatever the case is, you have... Thousand-year-old aliens. You have mystical space fighting. Like he, he, he looks like a kid when he talks. He looks like me when I'm talking about it. Is the thing. <laughs> so like, he was a good choice for Piccolo because he was going to try and do the role. And honestly, he was probably the best I saw in the movie as far as working with what he had. If you'll pardon the phrase, making chicken salad out of chicken shit. Uh, Piccolo was originally going to look handsome and be gray toned. Marsters told the makeup people when the director left, no, no, make me old, decrepit looking, and green. It took 17 hours the first time to put the makeup on him properly. And when he walked out and the director saw him, the director conceded, okay, you were right, this does look better. It's filmed largely in Mexico. Uh, They used a few temples in an abandoned jeans factory. It was filmed from December 3rd of 2007 through to the early March. They kept the futuristic cities and technology... All talking animals and animal and anthropomorphic things were dropped. That we didn't get the turtle, we didn't get oolong, puar, corin, none of them. And I mean, oolong makes the first wish in the series. Yeah. So to not have him in there, like I, they were going to give Emmy Rossum straight up blue hair for the film. However, when they tested that out, they felt that it looked too unrealistic. So they instead let her go with her regular brown hair with blue streaks in it. They also digitally altered her voice. I can only assume that was to try and remove a hint of an accent. But it, like, you, Ian was watching it with me. The first time she started talking, I said, what the hell did they do to her voice? Yeah. And this is the one that rankles me probably the most about 
Like just the little backstage details. Uh, taking aside all the storyline issues and everything else, Justin Chatwin did not wear a wig because the director felt that his hair resembled Goku's. How? In what way did his hair resemble Goku's? I'll tell you how it didn't. Amalgamated Dynamics handled all of the special effects so that that's who we blame for that being as bad as that was. Those people must have laughed all the all the way to the bank. They had to. They had to. Have. <laughs> My God! I mean, I could have done a damn better job than that. Probably the only positive about this movie that I found and that I even took away from it really, the music. The music does a really good job of trying to set a tone as best it can. It's just unfortunate that the actors can't really match that for the most part. Uh, the soundtrack and score was done by Brian Tyler. Now, Brian Tyler has done The Greatest Game Ever Played, The Chronicles of Narnia, Line the Witch in the Wardrobe, Timeline, and Constantine, as well as Cinderella Man. Since this movie has come out, he has provided music for Yellowstone. And if you have ever seen a movie in the MCU after Age of Ultron, that fanfare that, accom that accompanies the Marvel logo, that was done by Brian Tyler. So he's done well for himself, musically, after this. Oh, yeah. He used an 82-piece ensemble North Hollywood Studio Symphony in order to film this. They went ham on marketing here. They made books, a tie-in novel, a video game, which was god-awful. Like, if you've ever tried to play Mortal Kombat on a Game Boy, you ever tried that? No, no. Well, imagine that on a console with the, the clipping issues... Bad block, it, it, it's bad, man. They made action figures, and probably most insulting of all, they tried to make a manga adaptation for this movie. It's almost like it came from a manga. Maybe they should have stuck with that. Everything that I just said, every single bit of it, was terrible. If you own it, cool. You have a worthless piece of collector's edition stuff. Because nobody in their right minds is going to buy it. Period. Okay, I guess I'm not in my right mind. Because, no, 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 uh, no. <laughs> you, we have discussed this. Because you were not really into Dragon Ball before you saw this movie, there was no way this movie was really going to let you down. Right, right. No, no, no. No, the uh, the first time I saw this movie, and, and I bought it for this purpose, was, you know, you and I have worked together for years. You know, We've known each other for years. We've yeah, known yeah, each other for yeah. damn near 13 years now. O over 13 years. Right. But but we haven't only known each other, but also worked together a great. Live next door to each other for a while too. Yeah, and so we've had numerous you know Dragon Ball conversations, and so I learned to kind of keep up as best I could. But there came a time I was like, okay, I'm gonna take the bite, you know, I'm gonna you know get really get into this, you know, read the manga. However, I wanted to watch this movie free of, you know, that, uh, you know, fandom impeding any enjoyment I may have gotten. Right. And that's understandable. That's like people who don't read going and seeing a book, a movie that's adapted from a book. Right. They don't have what happened. Y'all, I can't watch any Harry Potter movie after Chamber of Secrets and enjoy it the way they're supposed to because they just don't stick with the books for so much crap. And that's one of the reasons why... I'm kind of glad 
in one way that we're moving away from everything getting a theatrical adaptation and we're getting series adaptations. The Witcher's great. Like, they did a really good job with that. If you didn't like the last season of Game of Thrones, I'm sorry somebody crapped in your cornflakes. It was fine. It was perfectly fine. People had this big, nasty reaction to it because they, for whatever reason, you know, uh, that that's that's on you. I had no problems with it. There were some minor issues that maybe could have been better with a few more episodes, but it was fine. From what I understand from fans of the series, they kind of screwed up with Wheel of Time. That's what I've heard. That, that is what I've heard. I mean, I've, I've tried to read the books. They have bored me to tears, and I have put them down. And this is coming from somebody who reads Tolkien for fun. Okay? Good on you, man. Hey, 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 Tolkien's wordy as hell. I will not deny that. But I'm glad that we're moving into that serialization of these because it makes it easier to tell the stories as they were. Like, Amazon has a Lord of the Rings series coming out next year. The, the one season that they've made has a budget of nearly $1 billion. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, God rest her soul, Anne Rice also had licensed her books to be made into a series as well shortly before she died because, and I covered this when I did my Queen of the Damned episode last year. She felt that her work after the success of Interview with a Vampire and then the failure and her own personal dislike of Queen of the Damned, she decided that any further adaptations of her material would be best served as a series because then they could focus on one book at a time. Because Queen of the Damned took aspects from three different books. Yeah, yeah. Also, you know, you, you and I have discussed before that certain, uh, certain franchises, certain character sets uh, are just simply better suited for serialization yes. rather than, you know, cinematic installments because it allows the story to breathe. It exactly. allows for greater characterization. Exactly. And we're starting to see that even in further MCU projects like the Disney Plus series they've done, like WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki. Uh, Hawkeye was outstanding. They did a great job adapting Matt Fraction's run for that. Like, it was... They even had... Kingpin in his family vacation clothing that he wore. Like, some people threw a fit about that because the only experience they'd have with live-action Kingpin was Daredevil. I'm like, I'm sorry. That is straight out of the comics. Everything about him in this was straight out of the comics. And the only people that seem to be having a real difficult time with the series are those who have been conditioned to want the instant gratification of a movie. You know, it's the same reason why... If you wanted the Snyder Cut, you enjoyed it. If you didn't, you couldn't get through it because, like, oh, it's so long. It's this, it's this, it's this. Well, I'm sorry that you have the attention span of a two-year-old. I don't know what else to tell you on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, back to Dragon Ball Evolution, which that's another thing that bothered me in this <laughs> Bacocta movie, okay? <laughs> when Bulma shows up and she's got the Dragon Radar, it is clearly... The Dragon Radar. The Dragon Ball Radar device. He says, oh, so you're tracking dra Dragon Ball Energy. And she goes, Dragon Ball Energy. DBE. I wanted to throw my phone at my brand new television because Dragon Ball Evolution is DBE. It was like, you guys are just awful. It was scheduled for release August 15th of 2008. It was pushed back to April of 2009 to add some things and to deal with some post-production graphics, whatnot. It's kind of like putting a pig in a wig, but here and there. 
it made $9.6 million at the American box office, domestically. Made $48.8 million internationally, somehow. Folks, this movie lost to the Hannah Montana movie. <laughs> In its second week. Hannah Montana's second week wow. was better than this. Fast and Furious, you know, if you're not a fan of those franchises, that's perfectly fine. That's not for everybody. That is stupid. Turn off your brain. Enjoy action movies. That's all that the Fast and Furious yeah. movies are. Yeah. They went to friggin' space in the last one. That's what I've heard. I've seen it. Good, good on you. No, I've seen that clip. I haven't seen the movie. Oh, okay. Fans hated it from the leaked photos. Just from the leaked photos of this movie. Before it even the fans were tearing into this. Zach Bertsky of Anime News Network, which is one of the bigger anime websites for reviews of manga, anime, TV movies, whatnot, was so annoyed by this because he's like, you guys are hating this without giving it a chance. You're not seeing it. You're, you need to wait and see it. After he saw it, he put out a very long, heartfelt apology saying that the fans were right and this movie should have never been met seen the light of day. There's an episode of The Simpsons where comic book guy gets brought a box of stuff by Martin's mother because he's at fat camp. You know who Martin is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's looking at everything, and it's a whole bunch of memorabilia from Star Wars. One of them is a alternate real ending to Empire Strikes Back where Luke's father is Chewbacca. On the back of this reel, there is a piece of tape that says, Bury this now. They should have followed that advice. Most reviews were not positive. Many felt that it was, at best, a bad movie. And at worst, if you're not a fan of Dragon Ball or you're a very young child or both, you might like it for the action. The one truly good thing to come out of Dragon Ball Evolution. Toriyama hated it. This movie pissed him off so much, they did not listen to him on anything that he suggested for it. He tried to get them to take his name off of it as a producer. They wouldn't. They're like, well, we'll list you as an executive producer. That doesn't mean you had any direct involvement. He's like, no shit. He said that when it was done and he watched it, he couldn't even call it Dragon Ball. So he made up for it. He gave us Battle of Gods. Then he gave us Resurrection of F. The success of these two movies was so great, we got Dragon Ball Super, which is still going now with his protege, Toyotaro, who has taken over the artwork. Because Toriyama's getting up there in age, it's not as easy for him to draw as it... Look, people don't realize the kind of stress that manga artists are really under. Oh, yeah, absolutely. My favorite anime and manga of all time is Yu Yu Hakusho. I love Dragon Ball, but Yu Yu Hakusho has been my favorite since... I can't even remember when. The writer and artist and creator has such horrible back problems, he has not been able to continue writing Hunter Hunter in like three years. He is married to the main author and, and artist for Sailor Moon. They got married in the 90s, and most of their bridal and groom party were other People who worked on their manga. Manga cop. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know if you knew that term. That's yeah, why I was yeah. trying to get away from that. <laughs> ah, you surprised me, sir. Um, he has told his wife exactly how Hunter Hunter is supposed to go 
throughout its next couple arcs and how it's going to end if he becomes physically incapable of ever continuing to write. The only thing I can say is that Toriyama benefited from taking a near 20-year break. Because a lot of people don't realize Dragon Ball finished its run as a manga in like 1994. He had nothing but time to recover from that. And, you know, a lot of people... It, 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 and it's not without its controversy because where you used to have the fan base disliking Dragon Ball GT at large and only liking it for Super Saiyan 4, now you have the fan base acting like spoiled children and they don't like how Super is gone. So they're attaching themselves to GT. They're like, no, Super doesn't fit the same style. It doesn't have the blood. It doesn't have this. It doesn't have that. Well, unfortunately, guys... Times change. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I catch flack from other Dragon Ball fans for openly stating that I prefer Dragon Ball Kai to Dragon Ball Z. It's much more concise. It cuts out all the filler. The voice actors have a lot more experience, so it's done a lot better. Most Dragon Ball fans vehemently disagree with that. Okay. You know, you and I have discussed before, it is actually Kai that gave me the most encouragement to to get into Dragon Ball. And I think it's because I showed you clips comparing the two at uh, different like moments like right, right. to show you like okay, this is what the Funimation dub did and now this is what Kai did with the Funimation crew now 10 years on with more experience. Right. And and also, you know, I I had seen a handful of episodes and I was aware of you know, the, the jokes about, oh, you know, they just scream for four episodes, you know, to power up. And there are times it's that's really not far off. No, it's not. And it takes Goku in the original Funimation dub. It takes him five minutes to turn into a Super Saiyan 3. He's screaming the whole time. Yeah. So, and I, I, gonna put this out there. I love the Ocean dub. That was my first real experience with Dragon Ball because that was the first one that we really got here in the States. I love the Ocean Dub. The Ocean Dub went up until around the time Goku was fighting Frieza. It didn't get too much further into that. Yeah. Then it took a little bit of a, of a break, and when it came back, the Funimation crew had taken over. So, now that being said, the Ocean Dub crew did return. The Canadian release that they got on Canadian television was done by the Ocean Dub because they're a Canadian-based studio. You can actually pull up on YouTube the clips of the Ocean Dub doing stuff in the Boo Saga. They just don't do the Cell Saga. So. Now, <laughs> Ramsey, scriptwriter, if you'll remember, issued a public apology for the film in 2016. He said it's quite heartbreaking to get things up to and including death threats for what I did to Dragon Ball. They had between two and seven sequels planned to this tchotchke piece of crap. They would have shown Gohan, eventually. Vegeta. They would have touched on Saiyans. Piccolo would have gotten his redemption arc. Not Piccolo Jr. They never would have had him reincarnated as a new one. It just would have straight up been Piccolo. And from what I could tell and from what I could find, they had no intention on ever actually exploring Frieza because they felt that going into outer space would have been a bridge too far. On the one hand, for the people that started out with the series in Dragon Ball, 
when they got to Dragon Ball Z, I can see their kind of logic with that. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it's absolutely. based on Journey to the West. Yeah. And to take that, that aspect and then go into space and then do what Funimation did at first, which is basically turn Goku into Superman, which he is not, it, it was kind of difficult. The, the poor reception and sheer vitriol thrown at this movie is what led to the cancellation of all those. And, you know, thank God for that. Because I, I don't think I would have been able to sit through another. I'll never watch this again. Okay. It's going to be best if you get it out of my house. <laughs> okay. I've, I've got to say, okay, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I had watched this before without a lot of knowledge about the source material. So, even without knowledge of the source material, this was by no means a great movie. I'm, I wouldn't even call it a good movie. Were there entertaining moments? Yes. Was it made more entertaining by my vitriol and my hatred that was just seeping out of me while watching it? Okay, that was like a whole other level. Like okay, there, there, there were times I was watching you more than I was watching the movie. As I expected was going yeah. to happen. Yeah. Look, there's a point in the movie where Goku has become Uzaru, where he just freaking looks like the damn werewolf from an American werewolf in London, only like crappy. And he's chasing after Bulma and Yamcha. Now, I will say, June Park, from the way he spoke, he nailed Yamcha to a T from uh, his yeah. vocal style. Like, that was he that was perfect. Did. I had no problem with that. So, there were a couple of things about this movie that were not as bad as I expected them to be. But at one point, Goku Zaru is trying to get a hold of the Dragon Ball that Bulma and Yamcha are running away with. Yamcha stops, says, keep going. Tosses her the Dragon Ball and then turns to face the opening. I believe my exact words are, "What the hell are you gonna do? Flirt with it?" Because <laughs> that's about all he's gonna do. <laughs> and then when Mai shows up and gets involved in fighting Bulma, I'm like, "Now Yamcha would have been useful because he could have flirted with that." And I, he, Ian said something around the second time we see Chi Chi in this movie that after he said it, yes, 100. percent Chi-Chi's chest got bigger every single time we saw her. <laughs> every time we saw her. If you don't know, Chi-Chi is a joke name. And all Dragon Ball characters, and their names mean different things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chi-Chi is Japanese slang for large breasts. You know, Goku is of the sky. Gohan is similar, of the sky. Piccolo's an instrument. You know, the Saiyan names are all vegetables. Kakarot, carrot, brawly, broccoli, raditz, radish, napa, lettuce. Vegeta, short for vegetable. Yeah. The Ginyu Force is named after dairy products. Guldo is gird or cheese, cheese curds. Jace is juice. Ginyu means milk. Burder, obviously butter. So, like, I get what they did with that. They're trying to keep with it. This was such a bad movie. This was this was awful. Before we recorded this, I had to pull up clips from Team Four Stars Dragon Ball Z Abridged just to put myself in a better mood. Which I hope I've got you sold on watching that now. I'm I'm I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, I'm, it, I still have to make my way through Kai. Although yeah. I do own all of Kai now. Uh, I need to own Kai. But no, uh, as I said, there were moments that I enjoyed, even though. The story was uh, Magoo. 
largely obscured by poor characterization, and, and that's being generous. Uh, I felt like the 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 studio couldn't decide whether they wanted to make a Power Rangers movie or a CW teen drama. Um, yeah, that that's another problem I had. I was I, I was like, oh yes, watching Goku and Chi Chi time. I'm like, I forgot. Dragon Ball is a rom com. It's not a shonen battle manga. No, no, no. It's not a journey. Okay, that growl. I heard that so many times. Yes, yes, he did. Uh, look, I'm trying to grow out my hair because for Halloween this year, I'm going to dress up as Mrs. Trunchbull from Matilda and my daughter is going to dress up as Matilda. I've already got the Berlin Olympics sweater, the weight belt and everything. I've got that ordered. It's going to be friggin' hilarious. I was close to pulling out my hair at points watching this movie. I did actually love uh, Chow Yun-Fat as Master Roshi. I did too. Chow Yun- and that, that goes kind of in line with what I said about Jackie Chan earlier. Yes. He's got that playful, if perverted, aspect to him yeah. that fit Roshi. So I was, I was all right with that. I was not all right with using a point-blank range Kamehameha as a defibrillator. Yeah, because that's what you want to do. You want to shoot something that can destroy the moon... Two inches away from a man's chest who just got knocked out. That, that's a great idea. Now, okay, uh, we were talking outside, and, you know, we could argue the merits of whether or not uh, uh, an anime or manga should be made into a live-action movie. However, again, I would say that Dragon Ball presents a particular set of problems because it isn't just one thing. Right. It is, you know, elements of fantasy and science fiction yeah. which one or the other by itself can be difficult enough but then to combine the two yeah. whenever it's a battle based story and then you throw in like zany yeah. comedic bits yeah. that's that you know that and you know that's I, a nightmare I made, for American audiences I made the comment at one point at the towards the beginning the first time we see a key technique of any kind yeah, because that's what key that's what key lesson techniques are. Airbending. That's exactly what that is. You know, I was saying that repeatedly as a joke. Then when they leave to go train, Master Roshi openly says the three elements that you must train. The air, the earth, fire. Only when you master the ability to bend these skills. Ah. Ah, it's so, so. Bad, man. I've got Dragon Ball tattoos, okay? I, to say I am attached to this anime and this manga is an understatement. To see what they did to this movie and what they did, like, first of all, this is why I didn't go see it when it was in theaters. This is why I didn't ever buy it. This is why I never rented it. This is why if I saw it on HBO, I would rather watch Telemundo or freaking QVC than this, Okay. For those of you younger listeners that don't know, QVC is an old shopping channel that they would show, like, jewelry and other fine things like that on it. Uh, no, the, this, I'll never watch it again. Ever. So what you're saying is you don't want, like, a Justin Chatwin signed movie poster. I'll tell you where Justin Chatwin can put that signed movie poster. <laughs> so yeah, that was Dragon Ball Evolution. You have no idea the amount of willpower it took me to sit through that movie. Yeah, it was bad. So, 
Like I said last week when I issued that short little apology video about things being kind of messed up, for the next couple of months, things or episodes are only going to come out every two weeks because we're coming into inventory season at my job. Ian used to work with me, so he knows how rough this can be. It's difficult to try sometimes to plan this kind of thing out. So you're going to get the next episode. This one's going to drop on Sunday the 9th, I believe. No. Today's the 7th, right? Yes. Okay, today, as we're recording, is the 7th as a Friday. So yes, Sunday the 9th is when this episode is going to drop. The next one will drop on the 23rd, and Ian's going to be coming back on that one. That one's going to be Batman and Robin. I can't wait. Oh, we're going to watch the movie as soon as we finish recording, so he gets to experience it. I'm going to, you know, and as much as this is going to be feel like vengeance to me for what I just had to sit through, I know there's no way he's going to hate it as much as I hated this, so... No, no. Vengeance would be making me watch Double Dragon and Street Fighter in one sitting. That's not a bad idea, Al. You got a birthday coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, I hope you had a good time listening to this. Um, I hope you had a good time listening to me slowly lose my grip on sanity as I talked. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in the way that you have. I, like I said, I never expected my show to have any kind of real audience stick with it because you know I just, I'm just someone who loves to talk about movies and cinematography and things like that and to know that I have over 2,000 people who have listened to this show with a roughly 50 episodes that's that's awesome to me and I, I really appreciate that I do have a Facebook page for the podcast it is the same title Kid Kong at the Movies also this podcast is attached to another Facebook page Kaiju Carnage. Carnage with a K. Carnage with a K. As you know, frequent collaborator Cal the Kaiju Guy has his own podcast, Kaiju Carnage, a Godzilla King Kong podcast. He had something happen a few, about a month ago, where his original account got deleted. He tried to make a backup account, but then he had a great idea. He had an old Ninja Turtles fan page that he had made years ago that he'd never messed with anymore that had... A substantial following to it, and he very slowly transitioned it for a few weeks to being the new Kaiju Carnage page. Both my podcast and his podcast can be found, new episodes when they drop, every time, on that Facebook page. So if you want to go and give it a like, Kaiju Carnage, a Godzilla uh, King Kong podcast. If you don't want to give it a like, hey, that's on you too. I love you anyway. Thank you for listening. I am Kid Kong. I will see you at the movies.